how's your shoulder, Scott? Uh, my shoulder's doing all right. I decided not to use it at all yesterday and today. So I'm giving it a two-day break because before I was just, I kept like trying to do stuff with it and trying to mm -hmm. like lift weights and stuff. But it's it's all right. I mean, it doesn't feel normal, but it doesn't hurt. Well, that's good. Because yeah. as we discussed the other day, that when something starts to hurt, I mean, an injury that's healing, if it starts to hurt, that means that we need to back off. Right. Give it rest. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. Oh, something else I was going to mention is uh, I knew Nick before in, like, a different internet group before, like, I joined uh, this one. And uh, I kind of brought him along, right? Was it me, Nick? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Scott was saying some things on Instagram. And I was like, this yeah. this smells really, oh, this is like, this is it. Whatever he's saying, he's, he's on to something. So I'm like, who told you that? And he's like, yeah. So I just wanted to take credit for bringing Nick over to the gang. Right. <laughs> okay. Nick, when you ask that question, who taught you that? I can go from you to Scott, to my teacher, Achan Po, and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. I know Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa's teacher, um, Achan, uh, actually, he was Samdet Sangharaj uh, uh, Buddha Gosajarn, and I know his teacher, Viria. And Viria was the king of Thailand, or actually the regent, for three or four years. Uh, and he was born in 1860. Okay. Is that getting lineage enough for you? <laughs> That's what I want to talk about. That's why I'm here. Right. Okay. So this is a lineage. It is not something that I'm teaching because I made it up. But I do bring a lot of um, my life experience, a whole lot of jokes. Uh, some skills through psychotherapy and um, a lot of points about things that we've learned through psychotherapy, but the entire embrace is actually the structure of the teachings of the Buddha. And we've got the lineage that goes all the way back to that time. And that uh, the, the teachings have been kept they have been said in many different languages in many different forms that each teacher takes his own unique personality into the Dhamma. But this framework is it, okay? And so where we start is, is that the Buddha says on, we've traced it down now to four different suttas. The Buddha says that both formally and now, I teach only one thing, and that is Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. So if we can get that point, we've got the Dhamma. The entire teachings of the Buddha is wrapped up in just three words. I can do it in four. Don't worry, be happy. That's just it. Don't worry, be happy. Don't have full of doubts. Just be happy. Don't want a bunch of stuff. Just be happy. Don't be irritated by things. Just be happy. Okay, so what I have or uh, what I've just done is I've actually listed the hindrances that prevent us from being happy. Doubt, worry and restlessness, wanting things that we don't have or um, trying to get rid of things that we don't like, like enemies. Or uh, old rules that don't mean anything anymore or all kinds of things. So these are the hindrances. I've left out one, and that is the sloth and torpor, but that's the type of thing in the sense of what we mean by that is just simply not paying attention, kind of nodding off to the world rather than being alert. All right. So this teaching of the Buddha, Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, um, leads immediately into the formal noble truths. Imagine that you had a piece of paper that was folded up into, uh, uh, the, I think it's called origami in Japan, but you can take a piece of paper and keep folding it in special ways and it winds up being a bird or a, uh, 
uh, a cat or you know something like this and so um think of then is taking this piece of paper and unfolding it into the quadrants of the four noble truths dukkha dukkha naroda actually is specifically the first and the third noble truth the dukkha is the first noble truth and the dukkha naroda is freedom from that okay and that much of what we have to practice is to figure out what's dukkha and what's not dukkha because if we can see dukkha clearly as dukkha then we're going to start to avoid it because we know it to be dukkha and so much of the path if people are treading a path or let us say part of life's experience which by the way when we start to practice anapanasati that that speeds up a lot so that we begin to get a whole lot of insights one after another we begin to figure things out and basically what you could say then is what really is an insight is is this dukkha or not now a lot of people in the buddhism they think in fact that insights is like into our uh, psychological archaeology they weren't trying to go back to the source or the root of things and they say oh if i can figure out how this started I could get rid of it somehow. And that's not the right way to do it. Because it doesn't matter how things started. The question is, is can we do something about it right now? We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to see all the threads. All we have to do is whack the thing. But in fact, have you ever heard of the Gordian knot? And, and know what it means? Uh, it, it, Okay, so there was a guy who had this, uh, actually it was a, a knot that no one could untie. They had all the geniuses and all the ropeteers and all the dancing girls and everybody tried to d cut uh, open this knot and nobody could do it until one of these dudes came in, draws out his sword and cuts right through it. And now it's easy to unravel because you just cut right through it okay so this is what we mean by insight is to cut right through it rather than unraveling it mm -hmm. okay so what we're going to get really insight into then is dukkha and why it's here now not where it came from and where it's going right here right now if we want something we don't have we're in dukkha and if we don't know that we're in dukkha when we're wanting something then that's dukkha and that, that's the ignorance now basically that word ignorance should better be translated as delusion because we think we know what stuff is we think we know how we're going to get out of it and we don't like it when we find out that that's not true but when we do figure out that, that the, all the ways that I have been trying to get rid of things and they persist, I recognize now was not the right way that I was still trying to unravel the knot rather than cutting right through it. Okay, so that means now opening it up, cutting into it, that in fact the word that we have would be diagnosis. Do you know what the word diagnosis means? We use that, doctors use it, but also electrical engineers and people trying to get a computer running again. We diagnose the situation. You know what the word diagnose means? Uh, see what it's about, see what it is. Ah, you missed half of the journey, okay? The diag, like a diagonal, that's out of the Greek and what it means is to cut something open. I mean, why would you uh, uh, have diagonals on a pie like a pizza if you weren't actually going to cut it? And get that thing down to smaller sizes so you can deal with it. OK, so diagnosis is the knowledge. And so what that means, again, diagnosing means that we're going to separate and find out what's going on. The guy brings in his laptop and says it doesn't work. Well, what do we mean? We're just going to go find out what does work and start chasing it down to diagnose it. Okay. And so this is the way that we're practicing now. This is what we mean by the second noble truth. And in fact, most of the teachings of the Buddha 
is about and around the uh, the second noble truth. Then, in fact, it gets really, really deep at one point called Paticca Samuppada or dependent origination. And that means the sequence of how the mind works that gets us into dukkha. But the important point that's, is, that's, go ahead. That's where we're diagnosing the sequence? Yes, that's the whole idea is we're going to cut time shots, time frames down and start looking at this period of time and looking at that period of time. And sometimes this stuff happens really fast. And so basically that means that we start out slow and as the mind gets faster and faster, we can actually see where we are at a point. And the Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa strongly recommends the point of wisdom at the point of contact, which is halfway through. Why? Because the next thing that happens is feelings. And one of the things that we're going to learn to control in order to stay out of dukkha is our bad feelings. We're going to start feeling good instead of feeling bad, because feeling bad is generally dukkha. I have a question. So, um, wisdom at the point of contact—that's a reference to um, the six sense bases, right? When the eye comes into contact with form, is that what like you mean by contact? No, like no, the contact comes later. Okay, we'll give a very quickie on that. There are two uses of the word consciousness. One is the kind of like we can see eye consciousness. An example of that is, is that a camera cannot see. It can record digits. The human eye can see because it's wired into, let us say, sometimes artificial intelligence. But um, uh, there's real intelligence behind it. And that what the eye sees, then it makes into a concept or a story where we can say, I see what you mean is different than seeing with the eye. All right. So if you if you see someone coming down the street and they're dressed in a certain way, we'll automatically make decisions about them without gathering enough information. A way that someone dressed, we automatically make assumptions about it. That's part of the reasons why crooks, when they're doing something bad, they want to uh, put on a kind of clothing so that they don't look like thieves. They want to look something else, okay? So if the cop is sharp, he can see something in there because he keeps looking and keeps looking. But most people would just assume, oh, that's a janitor because he's dressed in a janitor's clothes. Where in fact, He's there to rob the place. Okay, so this is the difference then is what do the eyes see versus what is the story that we tell ourselves? Okay, so the story that we told ourselves was janitor. The reality was that we were not looking close enough to see what was really going on. We didn't follow the guy around. We didn't check on what was going on. All right. We, we jumped to a conclusion. All right, so the conclusion that we jumped to, uh, Scott, is now what hits us. That's what impacts us, is the conclusion that we've drawn. Not the reality of the situation that was received with the eyes. This is PASA. This is the contact. And the contact then is what determines the feeling. So would the contact be this be the same uh, thing as saying uh, when the mind comes into contact with it? Like, for example, you see something first uh -huh. and then the mind comes into uh, contact with the eye consciousness and then so the, then you're saying the mind makes a judgment about right. what it is. So which which link, like what link on, like if we're talking about dependent origination, would that be like perception? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And another word for it 
in the Pali, there's two words for it. One is um, Sanya, and the other one is Namarupa. And what the Namarupa means is that we take something real, the Rupa, and we put a name on it, we put a handle on it. And sometimes our handles are shoddy. Sometimes they don't work well. Sometimes they're absolutely wrong. Sometimes they're spot on for a while and then they wear out. Okay. And we keep those handles and sometimes we lose track of reality because we're more interested in hanging on to our handle than we are in hanging on to reality. We think we've got it because we've got it named. We got a handle on it. Okay. And it's that handle then that impacts us, touches us, contacts us, not the real reality, but it's the story about the reality. It's the handle that we put on it, the name. So, Nick, are you still with us? I think you left. He might come back. Maybe, yeah, I it's, think. maybe his phone died or something like that. That's happened mm -hmm. to me before. But, All right. So um, let us continue on with this, and we'll go Petita Samapada until he comes back, and then we'll go back into basic instructions because this is this yeah. is actually basic instructions anyway. Because yeah. the first thing that we want to do is learn to control our feelings, which means right. we begin to learn to control how things contact us. Right. And so this is the basic instructions right here is, is that if we can change the way that we feel, we got it made. Right. Because <laughs> then we, you already got what you want. Yeah. Yeah, that this is in fact the whole point of the first jhana is learning to control the way that we feel. And this is why the Buddha talks about it as this is the liberation. Yeah, all of the higher jhanas are just kind of icing in uh, uh, cherries on top of the fact that you've got cake. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, so like most people look for that. Um, most people are trying to get the good feelings out of uh, sensual pleasures, sensual right? pleasures, exactly, which is the ignorance. We think that if we like it, that goes back right to the second noble truth right at the top. The reason why wanting things is dukkha is because we don't have them. We want things that we don't have, which means that we're incomplete without it. You see, I was okay until I wanted that thing, and now I'm not. I, I, I as I am, is not good enough. I plus that equals me. But I got to go get that in order to be me, really. Right now, I'm not me yet. I'm not good enough yet. And so we go around living a life of feeling not good enough because we can't get any and everything that we want. And so this is where the wisdom comes in. Ah, here it comes back again. Welcome back, Nick. Yeah, good to see you. Are you there? Yeah, there you are. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. No problem. All I'm right. Back. So, so uh, we had digressed into a little bit of the detail of Paticca Sabupada, and basically it's all about feelings. Much of the teaching of the Buddha has to do with it. If we can get and control our feelings, we've kind of got it made. That's it. That's basically the whole point of it. There is more to it than that. But if we can't get to the point of controlling our feelings, there's no place else to go. That's the, you know, that's the giant first step. That's the big plateau before the peak. So learning to control our feelings means is that if we are wise to the way things impact us, then we've got a choice. So that second noble truth is, is the fact that people have suffering because they're not watching what they're doing. They're not paying attention. An example of that is when someone is angry at another person, 
then in that moment, who's suffering? The guy who's angry or the guy who uh, he's angry at? Guy who's angry. The guy who's angry. Okay. Does he know that he is causing himself suffering? And he's not causing the other, and he wants to cause the other guy suffering. He wants revenge. That's why he's angry. He wants to get even or get better. And so look at that desire. And he does not know that. If you knew that you were angry and hurting yourself, and the guy that you were angry at was not being hurt right now, would you choose to continue to be angry? No. No, right. So that's one of the identifications is that we can begin to feel the way that we want to feel. I I have heard, and this has some wisdom to it. um, Revenge is a dish best served cold. Which means don't go get your revenge when you're hot. Cool off. Okay. (laughs) But the second part of that is is that revenge, true revenge, is a life well lived. Now, what does that mean? It means that if your life is well lived right now, then whoever tried to hurt you didn't do a very good job of it. He was actually a failure at him harming you. Why should you give him credit and say he won that one and I feel bad because he victimized me? No, if my revenge is I live well, then that means that whatever he did was it, <laughs> like water off a duck's back. Didn't didn't hit me. So this is the second noble truth. And when we can come out of our dukkha right here, right now, we get into a much better state, state of happiness, a state of joy, a state of. I mean, if you could feel the way that you wanted to feel, how would you feel? blessed out right now well there's a good question because you can continue to ask that because you have choices a lot of people would say oh well i would feel blessed out and then that may not be appropriate but the point is is that now the way that we're looking at you can feel any way you want to feel if you're wise otherwise we're going to feel the way that we were taught to feel and the way that we trained ourselves to feel, the habits of feeling. And so people who are fearful, that's a habit of being fearful. Most people, by the way, in our society are, are afraid. Some people are half freaked out, others are in half panic mode all the time. A lot of people are in a state of anxiety. A lot of people are under stress. Most, I'd say. Especially and all we have to do is see that stuff and we can deal with it right then and there and come out of the panic. Perhaps out of the panic into the um, anxiety, out of the anxiety um, into uh, a chest sensation and then breathing that chest sensation out and now we feel relaxed. And that takes three, four, five, six seconds is all it takes to do that. Okay, so. Nice when you when you take the time to go through those steps. At least for me, at, with the stage I'm at, like sometimes I'll watch a review and I'll be at kind of a, a level that I brought myself out of dukkha. But then you remind me that I could go even further, and I'm like, oh yes, and then I can play around with like how high can we get? And mm-hmm. um, it's it's just like a step, step, step. Once you're at one, you can go to the next. Actually, what instead of steps, I would call it skill development. I think that Scott's really beginning to figure this out is is that it's the skill of being able to see the dukkha and the skill of remembering to look and the skill of doing something about it, the right effort. Also, can can I add something? A lot of people misunderstand dukkha. They don't understand the nuance and the broadness uh, that dukkha encompasses. Most people think dukkha is only painful feelings or uh, unpleasant sensations. When in fact, like um, all formations are dukkha. Like even the even the PT and the sukha of a jhana is dukkha because 
because it's dukkha, because it's inherently impermanent, it's mm-hmm. not going to be there forever. So even if you do get a pleasure out of it, it's inherently going to pass away. And any kind of like uh, craving for that uh, pleasant experience will create dukkha. So it's like a different type of dukkha. Other, like most people wouldn't consider like a pleasant experience to be dukkha, but like it's still considered dukkha, like in in some sense that is impermanent, mm-hmm. right? All right. Actually, you're you're very correct, except in one little point, and that is is that when you say most people think. Actually, I would say that that's where most people have to start. In other words, if we can see the really big, heavy-duty dukkha and start working with that, that gives us the skills to start working with the, with the smaller stuff. It's, right. it's, it's right. sort of like that we could see the, uh, the great big thing in front of us, but then to see the details of something, we need reading glasses. And then we trade the reading glasses then for jeweler's glasses so that you can go up to a 25, okay? And then you get a microscope. Yeah. Okay, and then you get an electronic microscope. Right. No, So, like, I agree. I agree. But it was always the eyesight in the first place. That was the important point. Can you see the dukkha? And the skill levels then are to be able to see the the more subtle ones. And you're and what you're talking about now is the, the very subtle point is is that even when something is pleasant, it has inherent dukkha built into it because when it's going to be temporary and when it's gone, now you want it back again. Everything is inherently dukkha. The final piece is being dead. Until then, you still got to pump air. Can you pump air wisely? Can you pump air happily? But you got to still pump air. And while we're pumping air, can we begin to see the little subtleties in, in that? Can we see the panic modes first? And can we get out of the panic mode into something easier to deal with? Um. So uh, the way to start now, there is a method. It's called the Eightfold Noble Path, but I want to make sure that we understand that the word path is not actually correct. A better word would be way. But even with the word way, we have highways and byways, but a path like a bicycle path or a horse path or all of that kind of stuff is not really what we're doing. A better way of looking at it, a way of looking at it, is a method of looking at it, is a method. The word method. Okay? The method of doing something. Like the method of making a chair. A, a carpenter knows how to do that. And it takes him a little while, but we actually have that same kind of carpenter's method that we construct concepts sometimes really fast. We can assemble that chair of concepts in, you know, less than a second to where the carpenter to actually assemble a chair may take a couple of hours. If he's good, maybe even 30 minutes to go from lumber into a chair. So. This is the whole point of that making that chair was back to Paticca Samupada. How good or sharp are we at our perception? Like the carpenter is very perceptive. He knows every little turn and everything to do, and he's got all of the way and all of the work and everything already laid out. And so he's saw, 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 he's got legs. He's got saw, 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 he's got a chair bottom. And off he goes, you know, and within just a minute or so, he's got all the parts, and all he has to do is just put them together. So that's perception. This is how the mind works also is that we actually assemble things out of our visual hearing and all of that. And we've been doing it since childhood. And a lot of those perceptions that we have come up with are those stories that we have told ourselves. We store them away in a library, and sometimes we don't go through the work of building a new chair. We just grab one of the old ones. 
to sit on. Okay, and that's where all the problem comes in because some of the old chairs we sit on break down immediately because they can't handle the weight of an adult body. That that chair was made for a kid. And so this is a, the story that we tell ourselves now about how to understand the eight pole noble path is, is that we've got to start looking at how we make chairs how we make things in the mind. And the first place that we're going to start is knowing the difference between what is a wholesome thought and what's an unwholesome thought. And we're going to remember to do that. We have to remember to look. So right noble view is the word in the, uh, the way that it's translated into English. And it's all automatically um, misleading because when we think about a view, we think about uh, a vista, we think about a, a, a viewpoint, we think about a worldview, we think about something that's kind of static. And yet, what really is going on is this is very dynamic. There's a new now every moment. Let's keep up. Let's not sit on old furniture. Let's keep looking at what we're doing right now. What kind of furniture are we constructing in the mind? And so um, the first thing then is that understanding that we've got to keep looking at the thoughts that we have and we have to remember to look. And when we do look, we can begin to do it with discernment in the sense of is this dukkha or not? And if it is dukkha, if it is unwholesome, then we can change it to something better. And the example of that would be, I'm having an argument with Aunt Susie. I come away, I'm sitting down to meditate, and instead of meditating, I'm thinking about that argument that I had with Susie. Oh, am I going to get her this time? Oh, I didn't think about this to say, and I'm going to tell her this, and I'll really, really get her goat that way. Okay, and then when we recognize, oh no, I'm living in the past, I'm trying to get revenge, I'm trying to get even, I'm actually a little bit angry at her, and who am I hurting with this? Let me come out of that, and let me start having good thoughts about Aunt Susie. You know, she's pretty sharp. She's hard to win an argument with. I got to respect the old bat. Okay, so we can start to have ha happy thoughts. That we were glad that we know her. She makes me think hard. She makes me work. She makes me figure things out. And so I can congratulate her for helping me rather than being angry at me because she won. <laughs> this is a change of mind state. And that's exactly what we're doing is, is that we're changing the mind state. Now, how do we do that is by changing the language that we're using. And so when the Buddha talks about in Anapanasati, this step that we're talking about here, he refers to it as gladdening the mind, taking the effort, because it's effort for, for a beginner to stop hating at Susie and start enjoying the fact that she is better than you are. Can you say um, a beginner is someone that's hating Susie? Yeah, that keeps hating Susie. Right, they're the beginner. So you and can, you can be beginner on a bad day, I guess. Well, everybody's a beginner every day, aren't we? Mm -hmm. The question is, do we have the skills? So in the beginning, we have no skills. Maybe we can go this far. The next time or the after practice, we could, we got several skills, and so we can go like this. As Scott is going through it, he goes. <laughs> <laughs> but we always have to start at the beginning line. And the question is, how fast can we run the course? And the and the course is this thought process that we go through. We all have to start at the beginning. And where is that beginning is generally is this dukkha. And generally, because of the way that we're raised, it probably is. And I could do a lot better than this. But in fact, you could say that any thought that we would have could be improved. 
And if you had a thought that was so beautiful, so magnificent, so out there with beauty and and loving kindness and 10,000 other things, bliss, et cetera, like that, that too can be improved because at least you can congratulate yourself for having such a thought and maybe even add to that, but this is not going to last. Can I continue to be congratulatory of myself even when it doesn't happen like that? So it was uh, yes, going day and um, I congratulated myself and then I'm like, hmm, and then I congratulated myself for congratulating myself and it just turned into kind of a mantra. And I was like, oh, God, here we yeah, go. All right, we can do this. Right. Yeah, we got it. But in fact, I, I secretly, I think that's how um, uh, Scott put his shoulder out. He was patting himself on the back too hard. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I was I, I got myself into such a mind state that I could do anything. So I tried to do something that I couldn't do uh, and ended up uh, realizing that I'm not uh, I'm not invincible, at least on the physical level. <laughs> My shoulder pops out if I fall in the wrong way. Well, it was a training exercise, and one sometimes some of the training requires uh, injury repair. But you'll know better next time what your yeah. limit is. Yeah, yeah. So, this is the whole idea then of changing the mind state that we're in, and that we do that right from the very beginning, in the in the sense of running and circling around each other are three items that is remembering to practice and that can be strong or weak and if it's weak like for the beginner it's weak and therefore it takes a lot of effort to come out of the dukkha but when uh, the skill of sati becomes strong then the effort is easy Aha, i saw you okay that's the kind of attitude that we're going to get is instead of being unhappy that we see our dukkha. I mean, once I've got dukkha, shouldn't I have some more? Let's pile it on. Oh, poor me. I've got so much dukkha and just pile it on. That's what we do. When um, Goenka in his retreat has the message of when the mind wanders away from the breath, Never mind, start again. He's making a very important point because most of the time when the students recognize their mind has wandered away from the breath, they hate themselves. They kick themselves. They say, oh, you're supposed to be practicing. Or maybe they have the thought of, oh, I thought my mind was better than this. And so they go into a negative kind of state, which is even more hindrances. The question is, is can you actually put in the right effort to, to actually drop that pass, never mind, and start again? Can you remember to take the right effort to unwholesome or unbind yourself from that unwholesome thought and start having a wholesome thought? Now, this is where the Satipatthana comes in to play in the fact that we've got a lot of stuff to do, mostly in four groups. A lot of people think that they're going to take one particular object and keep that object of meditation, and they really concentrate on that. And by doing so, we miss a lot of reality. So we're going to open that door into paying attention to the body and the way that it feels and how the breathing is. We're going to pay attention to the mind and what kind of thoughts that are, are there. And we're also going to be paying attention to how we feel. Not all at the exact same time, microsecond, but over a few courses, a few seconds, that in fact, when you're breathing in, you can tell yourself, well, how good this in-breath feels. And if you don't really feel a good when you take an in-breath, then wait a while, you know, like three to five minutes, and then take that in-breath, and you'll see, wow, this is a really good in-breath now. Okay, that's the way that we have to begin to see is, is that we can enjoy breathing. It keeps us alive. So, that enjoyment 
is what we're beginning to look at. Can we brighten the mind or gladden the mind or change the attitude of the mind out of being victimized by the dukkha into being able to see it without stepping in it? Or if we stepped in it, can we jump back out of it? This is the very basic practice of sitting there and recognizing now, this does not have to be a formal meditation with a, a, a special cushion and a special room with special incense and special um, icons or avatars or Buddha rupas or whatever you want to call them, or maybe an old guru, maybe a fat old happy man sitting up there. You don't need any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are, you can look at what you can remember to look at what you're doing. But the best place to do it is when you're in seclusion, when you're not around other people. Why? Because when you're around a lot of people, other people, you're going to have to deal with their dukkha as well as yours. So it's better to get away from them so that you can deal with your own mind, get it cleaned out, and now you can go back and deal with those people happily. Maybe even spread some joy. Get them off off of their bad um, mood. Lighten them up a bit. So, I heard a joke about um, getting people to lighten up or cracking a smile on people, and there's a there's three levels to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> the first level is the cashier at the grocery store, and um, geez, I forgot what the second level was, but. Uh, I remember that the third and the final uh, level was getting the DMV worker to smile. Or getting <laughs> <laughs> I would rather, I imagine the middle one would be the banker teller. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the bank teller or something like that. Yeah, but them DMV people, you know why they don't want to smile? <laughs> why? It's because everybody who comes into the DMV doesn't want to be there. They hate it. At least right. half the time, people want to go to the bank. That's true. Okay, That's true. and everybody always wants to go to the grocery store. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that's a natural sequence right there. But yes, um, uh, out out in public, but also people who are closer, we spend more time with. We can give them a bundle of joy also. And in fact, those are the ones that are more difficult. The ones who know you because they're used to you the way you were. And so you, it takes a while to rub in is, is that, hey, we got a new life going here. We're going to start watching what we're doing and start having fun instead of having misery. We could say that, in fact, that the human mind is not and never was designed in in the sense of design, I mean, evolving in the environment that we evolved in. And that the the environment that the human brain evolved in is not modern culture. We are all fishes out of water in this culture. Right. And yet we're so we're so used to this culture that anybody that would return to the wild would take a whole lot of stuff with him. Nobody's ready to take off all their clothes or uh, go barefoot and just go off into the wild and live. No, we want a little hut. We want a fire. We want a gun. We want clothing. We want, we want, we want, we want. Even if we're getting away from it all, we don't get away from it all. We trudge a whole bunch of junk in there with us. Humans are not um, able to live the way that we were designed to live because we've become um, cultivated. Uh, civilized. So, um, I was going to ask you, Amarada, um, before you move on to the next point, what do you think about like there's still some Aboriginal cultures that have never been contacted by outside uh, human civilization? So they're still living like hunter gatherers. Mm-hmm. What do you think about those societies? Are they like still like, are they in a natural state? of like how humans are supposed to live or are they still in a society or like what do you think? here's the answer to that in one particular setting you see in africa has lost all of that there's no place left in africa the aborigines 
the American Indians, uh, the, uh, the specific islanders, et cetera, like that. They have all come into contact, and so all of our data would be polluted. With the possible exception that there is an island in the Adamans that belong to the yeah. country of India, and that uh, in India itself will not allow visitors to go there. There is no possibility of getting a visa, and th those who have gone on to this island on their own wind up dead on the beach. Right, they, ki they kill them, like, right? They kill them immediately. And so this is one of the kind of tribes, and you can say that they have not had contact with the outside world because they're protected by the Indian government. By the way, so is Bhutan. Bhutan is protected from uh, yeah. the outside by the uh, Indian government. I think there's a couple more. Uh, I think there might be another one, another island that's a similar situation. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure if it's the same one you're talking about. And also, I know there's um, certain tribes that are still like living deep within like the Amazon rainforest and, and stuff like that that haven't gotten much outside contact. But uh, I think it's very rare. You're right. Like very mm -hmm. rare for like a society. But I think there might be a couple more like examples. Well, here's an important point with both of those um, examples, and that is, is that it it is predominated in the sense of the outsider's understanding of it is that these, these people are afraid. They're afraid of outsiders. They're very tribal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Humans were, in fact, I think, much more tribal in the old days than we are now. That modern society is breaking down a lot of the tribalism, air how slowly it seems in the southern part of the United States. It's still breaking down. Uh, take centuries to break down that tribalism because it's instinctual. It's the, it's the, uh, the territorial instinct. This is my land. This is the people I know. And anybody on the, from the outside is probably dangerous. This is where we have the idea of the fear of the unknown. And so anytime that you see something that you don't understand it and you come up with some fear and doubt and whatnot like that, you can say, aha, I see you, instinctual Myra. Aha, I see you in the sense that if I don't know what it is, I might be afraid of it. Okay, here's an example of that. Have you ever avoided opening an email because you didn't want to know what was in it? Yeah, that's just what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> And so we go around avoiding little things because we're afraid that it might be bad news or maybe this guy is contacting me because he wants something or worse still, he wants to dump. <laughs> and so um, that's that's an, the, the point is, can we catch that in the mind and not care about the email? Can we let it go? And so uh, that kind of um, practice of Anapanasati is done even when we're on the computer. Can you still remember that your job is, is to enjoy being at the computer? You can begin to change that mind state from I've got work to do into let me play with these new toys. This is the actual basic practice. Now, um, one of the teachings of the Buddha is, is that, the te that it's good in the beginning, it's good in the middle, and it's good in the end. But then there's a phrase after that, good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end, when it is taught in sequence and phrased correctly. Otherwise, people will practice something and then they'll get uh, stuck in it. A good example is, is that the dark night of the soul that are, that's so famous in, in the Mahasi practice is there's no reason to go into a dark night other than the fact that we're not making the changes that need to be made, that they can see the dukkha, but they're just observing it. When are they ever going to see Dukkha big enough that this is, in fact, Dukkha? 
you know, we can see Duke a little bit. Well, nobody, I can see it and I can see it again and I can see it again. And yeah, that's who I am. And off we go and we're practicing on a, uh, a Mahasi rising, falling, touching, sitting and all of that. But when we come to the conclusion, wow, that's Duca. I'm going to set that down. That's then the insight. The first time we saw it as Duca, the second, the third and the 15th time we saw it as Duca. We haven't seen it yet. When we really see it, we want to set it down. And there and we can say, ah, oh, there I go again and put it down. So every time that we see it come up, we can set it down. If we see it and let it go, then we haven't really seen it yet. And like I said, we can almost change any thought that we have. We can improve any thought. Can you find a way of improving any thought that you've got? Put a smile on it. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I. Uh, I think I it all made sense at the end. <laughs> usual. OK, lost in the middle a little. So we have been actually talking about on and on and on, only three items of the Eightfold Noble Path. Mostly what we've been talking about is right effort, the right effort to make a change, and also seeing clearly enough to see that it's Dukkha so that we do want to make the change. And then developing the skill of Sati, which means we remember to come back and look again. Let's be on guard. Let's start watching. Hey, wow, if I can sit here and make myself feel good, why don't I? <laughs> and so this is the way that we practice. These three things run and circle around each other. And eventually, with the right kind of language, especially um, if we're practicing in, in seclusion, then by being in seclusion, we're, barely, we're basically safe. And so talking ourselves into feeling safe as well as knowing physically the body is safe. Sitting on the porch here or the room that you're in, you're all alone, you're safe. Nobody's coming in and busting the door down to get you. Okay, so if we can sit here and, and be safe, why can't we feel safe in this time? Why is it that we carry these anxieties and these um, panic attacks and all around that we actually get ourselves physically safe so that we can actually begin to feel safe? And the way that we could do that is by talking ourselves into it, by saying, look, you're sitting here in safety. That email that's terrifying you is over there someplace. It's not here now. Let's feel safe and secure and learn to feel comfortable. And this is how we begin to massage our feelings so that we can begin to feel safe because that's the number one point. So long as we don't feel safe, we're in dukkha. Let's feel safe. Let's get it out of let's get out of that dukkha and start to feel safe. And then some thought will come and we'll say, oh, I've got to go do this, that and the other thing. And all of a sudden, our feeling of security and safety is gone. Now we've got work to do. We got to go someplace. And the answer is, is can you say before you even get out of the chair? Oh, I don't have to do that now. I could just sit here and feel comfortable and safe and secure and happy. And then. We feel safe and secure and happy and satisfied and all of that wanted on. Then all of a sudden, Aunt Susie comes back. Yakety, 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 yakety. What are we going to do with her? Are we going to entertain her and start fighting with her in the mind again? Start feeling the way that we felt when we were losing with her? No, no. We say, Aunt Susie's okay. Let her go away. I don't need her now. I'm having too much fun enjoying that I feel safe and secure. No place to go, nothing to do, everything is all right. And this is the way that we begin to practice. This is the way that the intermediates practices also. The only difference between the beginner and the intermediate is that the intermediate can catch this stuff before he's having a ball in arguing with Susie again. 
he can wake up a little quicker. He can throw that stuff out a little easier. And then in the end, we can see it coming. Just the little thought of Susie. And yeah, Susie's great. Don't have to start arguing with her at all in my mind. I already have changed my mind about Susie. I've, when I was arguing with her, I stopped arguing. And so basically what we're saying, the skill level means how fast we are. How quick can we be? Can we dodge those slings and arrows of outrageous fortune that we not only have to deal with in the outside world, but we throw it ourselves also? Can we dodge them? When I was a kid, we played dodgeball. Okay, can you dodge Duca? Like a ball that's being thrown at you or an arrow that was shot at you. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a good that's a good it's, it's hard to dodge bullets, but it is easy enough to dodge a spear. Because spears, when they're thrown, they're big, heavy objects thrown by a human or whatever. They're slow, easy to get out of their way. Arrows, you have to be pretty fast. Bullets, the best way to do those is to do it with wisdom. That the reason why you don't get shot is because you're nowhere near that gun <laughs> when it went off. <laughs> Sorry, I was in the other town. <laughs> I missed that one completely. Actually, um, if, if you meditate enough, you can develop the city to dodge bullets. Like the Matrix. I think I think that's real. <laughs> well, it would be more of a real of a martial art because, in fact, the bullets that we're taking about really is the bullets of the mind. Because sometimes we can go almost okay. instantly into Duca. Just one thought, and it got us. Bang! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that blew a good my point. heart out. <laughs> it can happen very fast. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Can we, in fact, be able to dodge those so that even when we see the gun go off, the bullet didn't hit us? We didn't explode with rage or with anger or, or whatever. That we can have loving kindness thoughts to those who have harmed us. So, so helps, this um, from what you told me was uh, just to keep your mouth shut. Worst comes the worst. Yeah, that's a good good one right there can we remember to be quiet because Absolutely. anything that we say is going to get us into trouble here comes the duca can we shut up <laughs> and can we remember how long that in fact sometimes we'll just yell and yell and yell and yell and just won't get be quiet but that's the ordinary person later when we start to practice We'll yell and yell and then quit. And as we practice more, we'll yell one time and then quit. And then as we practice more, we didn't even yell. We just felt bad. But we <laughs> changed it. And then we get even more practice than that. And when it happens, I don't feel bad. Don't have to stifle my yell. And don't have to yell. And don't have to yell and yell. And then, so that sequence, this is the sequence of how fast can you be in the mind? How long do you have to yell before you stop yelling? And, and then you can stop what made you yell. You can't stop the event, but you can stop what the furniture that you made out of it. An example of that would be an insult. Oh, you're a terrible meditator. You don't know what you're doing. I think you've heard that before. <laughs> oh, you're a bad meditation teacher. You're no good at that. Guess what? When somebody says that, they don't even know what they're saying. All they're saying is, is that they feel bad. But if I own that, if I become a target, who, me? I'm a bad meditation teacher? Oh, well, I'll show you. Right. you know, or worse than that, oh, no, I'll never have any more students, you know, and those kind of things. But if we, when the insult comes, hey, it went right by. He don't even know who I am. He's talking about somebody else. And then we don't have to feel bad at all from those um, outrageous slings and arrows of outrageous fortune because they missed us. But if it does hit you, 
how long are you going to leave it as injured? You're going to hate somebody for 15 years, for 15 hours, for 15 minutes, for 15 seconds. Can we get rid of it in 15 seconds? We're doing pretty good. <laughs> So this is the way that we practice so that we get that skill of sati getting very fast, coming up very quickly, coming up strong, coming up often. And that's because it doesn't matter what skills we have of doing something if we don't remember to do it. But the skill of seeing it and the skill of remembering to look at it and see it and the ability to come out of it and uh, take the effort to do so. These three skills run and circle around each other. Run and circle around each other, giving them a set of skills. It's almost like now they're spokes of a wheel. So that they support one another and keep things going like that. And then we'll add the next one item from the Eightfold Noble Path. Now that we've gotten three of them. And that fourth one is that we recognize that we can do this. We're on a roll. We've got this thing going. This is called Sama Sankapa, and that's when the attitude begins to change from, oh, poor me, oh, my life sucks, oh, who can I get to help me, into hot dog, let me at it. I can handle this. Where's that skateboard? Where is that snowboard? I can do this. Okay, that's the attitude, that can-do attitude. Hold my beer. Uh, the um, the Buddha was known. Go ahead, go ahead, Nick. Uh, I call it the Chad vibes. He's <laughs> <laughs> a character these days that's just like, he's all that. That's it. He's that guy. He's the mm -hmm. man. He's right. We become the man. That in fact, the Buddha was known as the lion. Okay, he roared, become a lion of a man. No more of uh, 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 the wimp or the kitten. We've grown up now. We can handle anything that life throws at us. Why? Because we can dodge most of it. And so that attitude, uh, there's a word in, in the Pali also called Shraddha or Sada. And Sada actually means confidence. It does not mean in uh, most translations they translate it as faith, but generally the word faith, it could be used, but because of the, com the way that faith is used, it means faith is you believe it without any evidence. You may be convicted, but you've got no evidence. Okay, confidence means you've got tons of evidence. You've got it and you know it because here it is. That's the confidence. And this is the Sama Sankapa. And surprisingly enough, this is part of the Eightfold Noble Path. Without getting that confidence that you can do it, the mind will never become completely organized or completely um, unified so that we become whole. And so that's the fifth item on the Eightfold Noble Path is when the mind becomes whole. Go ahead. It's almost like the confidence comes before the rest of the, the whole path is complete. Mm-hmm. Confidence is actually a skill to be developed. And how do we develop? Success, 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 success. That's the way that we do it, okay? We become successful at it. Now that success comes right on the top of feeling satisfied that we've got it. So now we have the feelings of safe, secure, comfortable, satisfied, and successful. What, what else do you want in life? Who could ask for anything more? To feel safe and secure and comfortable and satisfied and successful. Maybe one step above that would be feeling wealthy. Completely wealthy. You're a benefactor to all people. You're now that full grown tree. You see, when a tree is young, it needs to be protected with Anapanasati. 
Um, we've put a little fence around it. This is a story from Gawanka because in India they got a lot of cows and the cows will come eat young trees. You have to protect them. But once that tree gets big and strong, now it can support birds and uh, squirrels and all kinds of things through its life. It's a big, tough dude. Okay, so that's what our practice is going to give us. We get that protection from the practice of remembering to throw those unwholesome thoughts out until we get really good at doing that, and then we feel really, really successful at it. And so that's the path. That's the introduction. And it's good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end, that you, in fact, can start to feel successful right away. You can do this. Oh, it's yeah. an attitude change. You know you can do this. You're already hearing me. You oh, know yeah. that you can do this. It's amazing. It is for a while until it becomes, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I feel like recently I've been uh, increasing my strong sati, so I'm in that phase where it's still amazing right now. I, I find it funny how literally, like, no matter how advanced the practice gets, it's all, it's literally this, the, it's never not just watching what your mind is doing, like waking up to what the mind is doing right now. Like, what thought constructions are, am I creating that's creating my suffering right now? And that's literally it. Like, that's the only thing that ever, like, I feel like that's the main skill. Because uh, all of your all of your suffering that's created is created by the mind, like like the the two darts analogy. Like you might you might experience some amount of like suffering just by being alive. Like you're gonna experience like pleasure and pain and like ups and downs, but that's the first dart. But the second dart is all the thoughts of self pity and all the thoughts that we create a story about it and we create a self that that's a victim. Um, when we could just be creating uh, thoughts of being a champion and being a winner. And so you don't get hit by that second dart. Mm -hmm. That's right. Can you develop that? Can you redevelop it at the times when you need it the most? Right. That's when we have to remember, oh, look at me. I just stumped my toe. Or, oh, look at me. My face is in the mud. Oh, look at me. I'm feeling bad. Ta-da! Not now. <laughs> yeah, you can drop that stuff really quickly. If you have the skill for it. Mm -hmm. It's a good skill to practice, in my opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> well, guys, I think that we pretty well covered this one. I, I think, think so. Too. Yeah, yeah, this is good. This is good for the beginner. And 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 the advanced person too. And good for the middle and good for the end. Exactly. Yeah. It's all the same practice. This question is, is how fast can we get it doing this? Right. So all Nick, right. thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you guys. It was good to see you, Nick. Good to see you, Domorado. Oh yeah, Scott, I really enjoy when you come on. Thanks. Thanks, friend. Okay. Bye-bye, guys. <laughs>